Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Is that... It is Anna! You... You're that bird! Anna ran away because of you! Huh? You spoony bard! No! No, wait! Guy! Please, listen! Shut up! No, ow, ow! Forgive me, please! Take this! Ah, ouch! Father, stop! Class is in session, and today we're looking at the qualifications needed to become a bard of the Spoonie variety. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university from the Fun and Games podcast, among many others, Baldur's Gate and Divinity Buddy and Forever Pax Roomie, Matt Storm, to talk about a little game called Final Fantasy IV. How's it going, Matt? Good. It's very weird to be talking to you not on a Monday playing our game unrecorded which would be the opposite typically right like most of my podcast related friends i only talk to them when we podcast you become quite Mm -hmm. the opposite i know we're just lucky and honestly it's not (laughs) that uncommon uh that we don't talk to each other on mondays unfortunately well yeah i I believe one day it'll become (laughs) more more regular again but yes welcome back to the university how's how's it going Good. I am doing really well. I'm excited about PAX uh, East this year. It'll be we're rooming again as always. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, not yeah. doing any panels this year, so I'll just be covering the event for Funny Games with my co-host Jeff. Will be there with me. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, just to throw out some RPGs I've been playing recently. Uh, I have been knee deep in the newest uh, Like a Dragon RPG, Infinite Wealth. Um, I'm very excited for Rebirth, which isn't out as of when we're recording, but is coming very soon. What else have I played recently? Uh, there, there were other... Oh, the Super Mario RPG a remake at the end of last year. I've been playing a lot of... You've been really... Oh, uh, Persona 5 I finally finished. Royal. Uh, oh, lot, look at yeah. you. Yeah, making some progress. But there are a lot of... I don't know if you know this, Scott, but there's a lot of RPGs coming out this year. <laughs> there's been a lot of RPGs coming out the past like two and a half years. I'm so <laughs> tired. I'm so tired, and it has nothing to do with having a six-month-old. No. Um, but yes, we are here to talk about Final Fantasy IV, a.k.a. Final Fantasy II. By this point, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you know the whole Final Fantasy II was reading or Final Fantasy IV was renamed to Final Fantasy II in the U.S., blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to refer to it going forward as Final Fantasy IV. There we go. But yes, we are talking about the Dark Knight slash Paladin's quest Final Fantasy IV. Now, this game initially released on the Super Famicom and Super NES. Uh, the original original version released on July 19th, 1991 in Japan. Japan would then also receive a quote-unquote easy type released on October 19th of 1991. This would be the version that we would go on to receive uh, in the States on November 23rd, 1991 on the Super Nintendo. It would later be released, re-released the first time on the PlayStation, that version releasing on 
March 21st, 1997 in Japan, June 28, 2001 as part of the, I believe, anthology or collections package. Um, Europe got it on February 27, 2002. The Wonder Color, a Japanese-only handheld, received the second, uh, th- another port of Final Fantasy IV on March 29, 2002. Game Boy Advance would get a port as well releasing in north america on december 12 2005 and december 15th 2005 europe uh europe would get it on june 2nd 2006 this had some bonus content associated with it the i mode uh i don't know what that is it was japanese only thing released on japan on october 5th 2009 easy web also japan only don't know what it is but december 10th 2009 yahoo like the search engine got it on January 13th, 2010. The PSP would get a full blown like remake of it uh, as part of the complete collection. Wrote that version release on March 24th, 2011. North America would see it on April 19th, 2011. Europe, April 21st. Australia, April 28th. This would also get a. Uh, and then the Pixel Remaster would release on Android, iOS, and Windows. Uh, worldwide september 8th 2021 consoles aka the nintendo switch and playstation 4 received it on april 19th 2023 this says nothing about the 3d remake which got a ds which originally released on the ds then eventually got a pc port and mobile port there's this game has been remade so many and ported so many freaking times it's ridiculous but just to kind of get you back in the mindset of other games that released the first time, the first time this released back in 1991, other games you might have been playing includes the original Sonic the Hedgehog, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, the original version of Street Fighter 2, Super Castlevania 4, Battletoads, Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge, and apparently Microsoft Free Cell. So yeah, there you go. Uh, lots of Final Fantasy 4. Um, but even though this game is like 30 years old, 30 plus years old, uh, I believe you've only recently dabbled in Final Fantasy IV, correct, Matt? So take us through your uh, the, your history with this game. Sure. So something that folks may not know about me, because I can't recall if we talked about this in the Chrono Trigger episode way back, but as much as I've loved the Final Fantasy franchise for a long time, I really only got into it in earnest with Seven, like a lot of folks my age. Uh, I am 40. Don't do the Well, I guess I just told you my age, so you don't have to do the math. But, uh, and so, like, I started with seven uh, and loved it, played eight, didn't like it, played nine, dropped off, didn't end up going back to nine till much later, and so on and so forth, dabbling in all of them and not finishing every one of them. Though I finished a lot of them now. But the classic series, one through six, I wouldn't really touch until I was uh, well out of college and an adult. And I tried one, hated it. Um, I tried two, also didn't like it, and then kind of gave up on the classics. I would eventually later play six on Steam through a friend, a family share account with a friend, and then I would lose access after the world ended and never went back to it. So uh, that mm-hmm. remains on my unplayed list for a while. But four, four, three, and five, I've never played at all. Like I've never even tried them. Uh, and so when I was uh, wanting to get back into the Final Fantasy franchise and in more earnest and like play, it was, I think, either right before or after I finished 16, I was like, I want to play some more of the classic ones. And so I asked um, some folks 
on Twitter, like, where should I start? I don't want to play one or two. Didn't like them. But between three, four, five, and six, what should I play? And uh, when I put it to a vote, most folks were like, uh, you know, don't worry about three, but start with four. And, and you know, but six is the one mm-hmm. to play. And then I think it was either you or maybe a few other and definitely a few other folks who were like, well, if you're going to play them, play them in order because four, five and six are all good. But you're not want to go back to four and five after you've played six as it's the best of the three of them. And so uh, applying that logic, I think it was last year I bought four on Nintendo Switch. I bought the Pixel Remaster and Mm -hmm, played mm -hmm, it and mm -hmm. I loved it. It's and it's become easily in my top ten of Final Fantasy games, and for sure, Cecil is one of my favorite protagonists now, uh, without a doubt. But yeah, I'm very new to this game, but very passionately a fan of it now too. Like it's in my upper echelon. I might even say my top five, depending on the day, because I just really liked the story, even though it's tropey. It's tropey now. It probably wasn't then. But yeah, it's I'm I'm a uh, relatively new to four. I assume you've played four multiple times at this point. Oh yeah. Now I'm curious. Are you saying that Cecil is one of your favorites because your boy Yuri Lowenthal voices him? <laughs> well, since I played the P- Pixel Remaster that which doesn't have voice acting, uh, that's not the reason. But it's nice to know that in the remake that he voices him. Um, that's pretty funny. I had no idea, but I'm unsurprised as Yuri does everything. Yeah. And uh, I think he also did all the work in like Dissidia, uh, the fighting games and stuff. He was also um, voiced by Yuri. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I've played my my history with Final Fantasy four. So this came out when I was three initially. And I ha- I remember one of my neighbors had a Super Nintendo and years after I would when I was a little older, I would go over to their house and watch him play and had no idea what was going on. Um but I rented this a pay, a bunch, and I think probably my first time really diving into it and knowing what I was doing was with the um, Anthology or Chronicles collection um, where it released. I think Final Fantasy IV was paired with um, Chrono Trigger, I think. Yes. Um, on the PlayStation. And um, <coughs> like, I like the characters. <coughs> I like the story. I like a lot to it but um and i feel like we'll we'll go into this in a, in a little bit but this final fantasy 4 is actually on base final fantasy 4 is probably on my lower end of um final fantasy games um it it does the same thing that annoys me with final fantasy 9 and final fantasy 13 and it, and it's it's a lack of control um over party and like really customization like every i feel like it every playthrough is exactly the same um and and this this issue i have with it and with nine and with 13 um yeah is rectified in like the 3d version of final fantasy 4 but especially the randomizer free enterprise of final fantasy 4 um which i will get in and, and gush about a little later but um what is it for you matt that grabbed you so much with with Final Fantasy IV? Like, what made it so high up on your list of favorite Final Fantasies? Well, I think for me, I mean, I know for a fact that you and I come at RPGs very differently, 
also because you are said professor of RPGs, you have a lot of experience, a lot more experience in them than I think any other breathing human on the planet. And so <laughs> customization and differentiation and randomizing and that kind of stuff has always kind of been your bag. Um, and like you really love that stuff. You love when things you can customize and change things. And I like that too, but I also get overwhelmed by choice pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And it's been hard for Final Fantasy games where like I love seven. And the materia system is really good for what it is, but eventually you find what works best for you and you stick with that. You might try new things, but it becomes pretty safe, which for some people might be a problem. But for me, I don't mind it because I know what I'm getting into. Also, Mm -hmm. often when I replay RPGs, I'm replaying them for the story, not the combat. As good as some combat is in some games, but like I love Chrono Trigger. It's my favorite RPG of all time. We did an episode about it, but it doesn't change that much from playthrough to playthrough. You might do some optional bosses you've never done before, though for me, that's not the case anymore, or find new endings that you've never gotten before. The game stays the same, but I love the story. And I think for four, the reason it resonated with me so much was one, its simplicity actually was a plus to me as uh, I was trying, like, I I was playing it with this uh, plan to finish it, right? Like, I knew that I wanted Uh to get through it. And I knew if I hit walls... I might bounce off. It happens. I mean, you and I both play a lot of games for our respective podcasts and like who wants to drag themselves through the dirt for hours to make no progress on a game they're playing to then talk about under a time limit. You know, that wasn't Mm -hmm. the case for this. Of course, I had much time as I wanted, but I think for me, it being kind of streamlined, it kind of being pretty straightforward and having a really fun story. Uh, and by fun, I mean, incredibly depressing story. Uh, I think that's what really hooked me. Um, I've heard that five has a lot more customization, but also a mutual friend of ours, Derek Van Dyke suggested that five might be a bad starting point because of the customization, because it could be so overwhelming. But once I've played four, four is kind of a nice lead up into it because then you know how a lot of the classes work. You have a better understanding of like what works with who and, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of how to better customize that stuff. And so I think for me, the fact that it was pretty straightforward and that I really like the story or the big factors. And then it being the pixel remaster and being able to turn off random encounters if I needed to, being able to use all of those other quality of life things, like if I'm stuck somewhere or if I'm like just trying to get through a boss fight that's too hard for me. Um, and also I enjoyed the battle system because, again, it was pretty straightforward. You just had to know what your classes could do. Mm-hmm. That I never felt overwhelmed even when i was losing or had to grind to level up which i didn't have to do that many times it never felt like a chore because of kind of how straightforward everything was yeah so in terms of like the chrono trigger i think a lot of my kind of qualms with final fantasy 4 would be rectified if you could simply like even at the towards the end of the game pick who's in your party that's like i think my biggest issue is not having control of my party makeup because like and that's like even in chrono trigger you could pick who's in your party right and you could kind of get that customization okay i want to try i could replay it's like oh i want to try it with like this group of characters or not revive chrono or little things like that would where you could still have a bit of a different gameplay experience uh from one playthrough to the next even if it's slight yeah you could have those my biggest the biggest thing with four is like you'll get party members and then something will happen and then they're just gone like the your end party is always the same and that's my biggest issue with it like 
I like all the characters. I like what they could do. I like the variety they each offer, but being forced into who I use has always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and that's why I feel like, I guess when I replay an RPG, I look for, okay, how can I change things up slightly different this time or approach right. it differently? And that's not an avenue that I feel for provides me at least yeah. like the super famicom the the super nintendo playstation version like the the classic sprite based ones there are things that the 3d version incorporates where you can kind of customize and kind of give some characters special abilities and stuff and provides that um that a, a bit injects a bit of that choice that that i feel the original was lacking but um to your point i i, I get it it's it's also very kind of comforting to be able to just going and and not have to worry about it's like oh how am i going to play it this time instead you can just go i think four is one of the more linear uh final fantasies but um it's also got one of the greatest stories i mean it did a lot of great things um it really reinvented the series uh when it made the jump from 8-bit to 16-bit and i i still really i still love it um even if i do have qualms with it yeah, I mean, I think that uh, for me, it made it feel more narrative that characters came and went, right? Yeah. Because, like, uh, I mean, I guess I don't know how far we're going without spoilers, but things happen to characters removing them from your party. And so you're kind of forced mm-hmm. to move on without them. And it's done in clever ways, in a similar clever way that we've cited in other games that we've talked about. And I think that's why it doesn't bother me as much. But also, keep in mind, I've played it once and fell in love with it. And if I replay it, maybe mm-hmm. I will like it less. It's hard to know. I don't replay a lot of Final Fantasies. I mean, I like to call Persona 5 Royal yeah. my favorite RPG that I'll never play again because it was yeah. so goddamn long. Um, this one isn't. This was, I think, I don't remember what my time count was, maybe uh, 20 hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it wasn't something too crazy. Most of the grinding I did is at the tail end of the game. Um and so I think that affects that as well. But I can totally get getting bored by it, especially if you've played it multiple times, you want a different version. Yeah. Um, what what I will say, though, this this game, especially like playing it again with the Pixel Remaster, this game has such a killer soundtrack. Yeah. Like, holy crap. It's funny. I knew the boss theme before I played this game. The minute it's, mm-hmm. the, or not the boss theme, I'm sorry, the battle theme, the regular, like, uh, b- mm-hmm. uh, standard battle theme. Like, I must have heard it on a compilation, or maybe it was one of the songs that the Black Mages covered, because I love the, the Black Mages heavy metal so covers. Um, it might have been one of those. But either way, I knew I'd heard it, because the minute it kicked in, especially on the Pixel Remaster, which has everything kind of tweaked a bit, like, it sounded great. It really did. And the, mm-hmm. I have the Nintendo Switch OLED, which looks great and sounds great. Um it truly was one of the best ways to play this game. I tend to prefer RPGs handheld. Uh, it's just my preference. I'm more of a handheld video game player. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the soundtrack is like the boss theme, Golbez's theme, um, all the different uh, town themes, like all of it is even the world map theme. Like all of it is just some of the best music, I think, in Final Fantasy. Uh, all mm-hmm. of the 16-bit games really did kind of knock it out of the park. Oh, 100%. 1,000%. So, um, you touched on that you really that I and I agree this is a very narrative heavy uh game, especially for the time it was the most narrative focus. Um, what were some of the the big takeaways, like the big narrative beats that you really really grabbed onto 
So I think at this point, I mean, I imagine listeners of this podcast are coming knowing that we're going to spoil this old game. But I will say here that if you haven't played the game, maybe pause this and go play it. Just because it's hard to talk about some of my favorite moments without going into story spoilers. And it truly does have a great narrative. And of all the games to not spoil, I think this and six are like some of the pinnacle, right? Um, But like, I mean, Cecil's entire narrative is some of my favorite. The reason he's become one of my favorite protagonists is, you know, like some of my other favorite broody boys like Cloud and Clive, he goes on a journey. And what I think Cecil does better than the either of those two characters do, and I love those characters, is like he he has an arc, and the arc is like I don't know. We'll see with the remake thread, but the original Final Fantasy VII, Cloud's kind of a lunkhead until he's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in this game, Cecil is an evolving emotional character who seems cold at first, seems to find you know fill that role of the the Dark Knight pretty well. But then mm-hmm. you get you get deeper pretty quick and you get to see that he cares for people and that he's worried and concerned and has thoughts and opinions of his own. And when he becomes a paladin, it's like one of the coolest scenes, I think, in oh, any yeah. for sure, any 16 bit 16 bit game where he like confronts himself and like then gets this cool white shiny armor. It's just it's really neat. And it it, sh- it like mm-hmm. physically shows his arc as well as kind of you see it emotionally through the narrative. That's easily a top moment. The moment that we uh, we uh, did VO for the uh, scene, as you do for all of your episodes with uh, Tella and Edward, like I had heard you Spruny Bard for so many years just playing D&D with friends and, you know, just in the nerdy ethos. So to see that scene, which is just, a really what you'd think is a very funny scene, but actually isn't. It's actually a very emotional scene. Uh, oh, yeah. And that's, I think some of all of my favorite scenes are the more, more emotionally driven stuff because this game, I think more than a lot of other Final Fantasies with maybe the exception of six gets really dark. Mm-hmm. There, even though like a lot of people grab on to, um, the, the big death in Final Fantasy VII, well, original Final Fantasy VII, who knows what will happen in Rebirth. Um, but there there was a lot of death in earlier Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Like, a lot of death, a lot of sacrifice. You have the twins in this one, you have Sid. Um, yeah, it's... It gets dark. And it's like every time it happens you don't think it could possibly happen again. But then like, like the moment with Sid is so like, and like then the fact that what we get when we go towards the end of the game is really great also, but like Sid's death, like you're like, there's no way that, because it was, I think one of the last ones, it's like, there's no way they'll kill Sid. Sid's too important. Uh, Also for the record, still one of my favorite Sid's as well. Um, Just because he's so cool and so stupid. Uh, but yeah, like it, you just they, have a thing for beard daddies. I mean that too. I mean beard daddies are deep voices because Sidolphus and sixteen also is another one. But that's a whole oh, other conversation. That Sid and sixteen, man, Whew. steamy. <laughs> By far my favorite Sid. He is my favorite Sid. Um, so good. But yeah, but yeah, I think that like the reason I latched onto it so much also is I like retro RPGs. I mean, we've talked mm-hmm. about this off air a bunch, but sea of stars ended up being my favorite RPG in a long time. Uh, and one of my favorite indie games, because even though it has flaws, it's so true to the retro RPG experience. Uh, 
presentation wise and you know graphics and you know um soundtrack wise though of course made more modern it could never run on those old consoles but like those kinds of games i just they're like comfort food to me and four mm-hmm. is i think the perfect comfort food in the same way as your super mario rpgs chrono triggers you know sea of stars or whatever else you know i think it's it, it, it's easy to love those games for me because they feel like home because they're the kind of rpgs i played a lot in my youth yeah uh, another character i think um is really strong that I really loved in Final Fantasy IV. Still to this day, I think it's one of the strongest female characters. I love Rydia. Yeah. I love uh, her whole growth and arc and everything. Rydia is just chef's kiss. Yeah. I was actually kind of surprised that both Ro- Rosa and Rydia, like, they get agency, they get arcs. You know, some of it starts as very kind of cliche. And you think mm-hmm. that it's going to be very much another damsel in distress kind of stuff, but they really kind of push that away pretty quickly. They can do for themselves. They can, you know, they have an arc, they have a story. And Rydia, especially considering how she ends up joining the party, because her, her, you you know, your, your soldiers murder her entire village. She's the sole survivor. And you take her in out of obligation. It's one of the turning points for Cecil. And like, then you get to see her pretty much grow and grow up right learn to embrace mm-hmm. her power it's it, one of the coolest ways i think to incorporate a summoner too yeah um speaking of summons i love the idea like summons having their own village and like their own society um just giving them a bit more personality i i appreciated yeah i think that summons like the diversity of how summons are handled in the Final Fantasy franchise are some of the coolest things. Um, but like a lot of the classics are here and giving them this kind of backstory and background. I think some of the coolest uh, narrative storytelling in the franchise is through the summons and how they're incorporated, you know, other than just pulling them out of a ball in Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like in this game, especially, yeah. Okay, they're the... not Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, true. Although sometimes it feels like it. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's really interestingly done here, and not I think completely different, pretty much from any other version of Final Fantasy. They don't really do this again, something like this. Mm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess they're. I mean, Final Fantasy VI has like a village stuff. I would yeah. say Final Fantasy VI is like it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, I guess also I've not, I've never finished six, so could be why that's a blind spot for me. There's society. They <laughs> live in a society. Oh, God. As, as, as... <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I had yeah, to. Yeah, fair. Um, so what do you think of the, the villains and everything of, uh, of the old Final Fantasy four. So I, I had known about Golbez before playing this just because I'd mm-hmm. seen him around the internet. He's one of the more famous villains. I like how he's portrayed here. I don't think he's one of the best villains, but I do like the twist that has to do with him. I think that also Kane, who is by extension, a villain for most of the game is also done really well. I'd say Kane is the superior villain because I like the rival See, kind of I, thing. That's interesting. Cause I think I Kane 
Hulk's only redeeming factor is that he's strong and he has a cool design. But oh my <laughs> god, he is. Oh my gosh, I like I'm brainwashed and I have the hots for your girl, so I'm gonna try and kill you. Like I'm man, yeah. So I mean, like, what make for you? What makes Kane a better villain? Well, I don't know if maybe better is a strong word. And he was an interesting villain to me just because it's, you know, the whole best friends turn against each other thing. He's being brainwashed, but didn't you didn't know. Um, And then like rejoins you and like it just like rejoins you and betrays you again. There are a lot of tropes in this game that would feel tropey now to someone who's played a bajillion RPGs. But at the time it came out was still fairly new. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what makes Kane an interesting villain is his association with Golbez also. I think Golbez and this kind of mastermind who's brainwashing and wants to take over the world kind of thing. I mean, when it comes, you know, to talking about Final Fantasy IV broadly, especially after all the other games that have come out, it does seem kind of rote, right? A lot of the stuff that happens in this game happens in a lot Mm -hmm. of RPGs. Um, But I think that, like what happened the reveal with Golbez, uh why he's actually doing what he's doing and then the true villain and all of that i think is done kind of really well other than the fact that those fights are so <laughs> annoying at the end of the game it's mm-hmm. really hard but i mean i can see how kane could be frustrating because yes it does boil down to he's mind controlled he wants to kill you he also loves rosa um kind of again a lot of cliche things that now kind of seem to be in all kinds of fantasy media that definitely weren't at the time. I think I wouldn't mind it as much if it was just like, I'm just jealous of your power or like, I'm jealous of your strength or something, but like, I'm jealous because I have the hots for your girlfriend. It's just that. That was so stupid. Like, I remember even playing when I was little, it's like, he's mad at me because like, and it's just <laughs> such a one eighty Cause he's like all helpful in the beginning. He disappears. Yeah. And then he's like, Bitch, I'm coming for your coming for your girl. And uh yeah, it was great like great design though. Yeah. I mean he's one of the Freaking coolest looking dragoons. dragoons, yeah. Well, and I think Freaking his design dragoons. is like what like the dragoons we've gotten ever since, especially in games like Final Fantasy oh, yeah. 14, like are definitely based on what his design was. Mm-hmm. 1000%. 1000%. Um and then you had the moon. So did you know about the moon before you uh, played the game? For no, the I I had no idea I was going to get to go to space, which was just kind of wild to me when they said uh, that we had to go to the moon to like get whatever the, the MacGuffin was that we needed to get from the moon. Mm-hmm. Like I just I was like, OK, how are we getting there? Oh, the ship can go to space. Wait, the, sh- the airship can go to space Like, because. A lot of games I've played have had airships, especially Final Fantasy games. They love airships, but like it just never occurred to me that we'd be able to ride this legendary airship to space. Mm-hmm. And it's one of yeah. the coolest areas. It it's also one of the harder areas. It's just there's a lot oh, of exploration, and the 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 bosses are hard. Um, the enemies are hard, but like it's a really cool area. Mm-hmm. It is a very. Um, that's one thing about Final Fantasy IV. It has such a like dramatic and steep difficulty spike right at the end like when you go to the moon yeah um it's 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 kind of nutty how much of a of of a spike it is but yeah i ended up it was cool grinding for hours just kind of walking in circles 
Mm-hmm. And like, well, like there's a rest point or whatever near there where you can, I had a bunch of tents. And so I would just kind of walk in circles and level up. And then I over leveled myself by like an additional 20 levels, just kind of like listening to a podcast and leveling, which then mm-hmm. eventually made the final fights like stupidly easy, but only with like this determination of over leveling myself. Cause before I kept getting clobbered by those, those, la- those, you know, final fights and oh, all yeah. of the regular enemies too are really tough in like that last mm-hmm. area. Oh Yeah. You get wrecked real quick the first time you go to the moon. Um, yeah, it's whew, still get shivers. <laughs> um, it, but no, it's yeah, it's and one of the cool things were all kind of like the set piece moments from Final Fantasy VI. I remember watching my friend play it when we were young when he when they were playing it on the Super Nintendo, but. Um, like Golbez summoning his shadow dragon and wiping you all out and then Rydia coming back and saving the day. Like moments like that, like Tella attacking and Edward during the scene in uh, the castle and of the scene that we dubbed over um, those like set piece moments that now would be beautifully rendered cut scenes. And it's uh, I mean, that was pretty, pretty baller back then, back in 91. Yeah, I mean, uh, and the thing about the pixel remasters, while it's in widescreen and has some touches, for the most part, the pixel art is unchanged. You know, some tweaks, but for the most part, it looks like the Super Nintendo version. And like the Mm -hmm. scene where you summon the lunar well for the first time, and you get those cool parallaxing like screens, like the, the FX chip stuff where like the world scrolls underneath you and stuff when you're blasting off, like all of that looks really cool and Mm -hmm. genuinely jaw dropping moments to me. Someone who's also played final fantasy 16, one of the most gorgeous looking video games ever made like full stop. So like, Mm -hmm. but I'm also a sucker for pixel art. I think pixel art is timeless. I hate every time anything gets like pixel smoothing. Like I think pixel art will always age well. And I always love going back to it. Um, Whereas like polygons, it depends. I mean, I like those cheesy aesthetics, like people going back and playing mm-hmm. seven now, and they're like, they look like action figures. I'm like, yeah, but it's charming. Um, yeah. But like pixel art for sure always looks better. And like this, like you were saying, like those milestone, those set piece moments, like when the dwarves come to help you, like all of those moments look really cool. Uh, the Tower of Babel mm-hmm. stuff, like because this FX chip and like just the Super Nintendo being able to do so much more than the Nintendo could do. Uh, made for some really cool stuff. Yeah, it um, it was really cool. Um, are there any standout like boss fights hmm. for you? I mean, when you fight the behemoth, uh, which is a little bit of foreshadowing, because that thing is freaking hard. Um, I think. Uh, I mean the the first time you fight Golbez is a pretty cool fight. Um, and then the, like, as much as I like to rag on the final boss fight, mm-hmm. um, I, I think is it, is the final boss chaos? Is that what he's called? Or am I just, do I have no um, X, X death? No, oh, X death. Yeah. No, X death is, um, five Zeramus. Zeramus. Yeah. When you fight Zeramus, like that's just a really cool interesting uh like it just kind of feels out of nowhere i mean yes oh we fight a god at the end of a final fantasy game what a surprise but like it was still a pretty cool fight um Mm -hmm. if not challenging um i mean (laughs) i like the uh the edward fight just because it's stupid (laughs) 
Like, it, because to me, it's like, like, you know, when games did that when I was a kid, I was like, wait, there's dialogue and a like this fight oh. is a cutscene, like that, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of other standout boss battles. There are quite a few. I mean, I think what I do like about this game's combat is that even though it's pretty streamlined, the the challenges in figuring out who's weak to what and like um, what strategies to use, whether magic versus physical and that kind of stuff, that can get pretty mm -hmm. predictable if you know the fights. But as someone who's playing it for the first time, I felt that kind of challenge was still pretty um, was still pretty interesting and engaging. Yeah. Yeah, for me, um the the one V one with Tella and Golbez was was a yeah. big one. Um him like basically going ham and casting Medio. Um yep. I thought that was really cool. Um I really like the I don't know if you would really consider it a, a boss fight per se, but um no, this this one is a boss fight with the king and queen of Eblin. Yes. Um, yeah. That was really poignant with Edge. Um, them coming, kind of coming back to their senses and saying their final goodbyes to their son. That was that was very poignant, as well. Um, but yeah, it's just there's a, there's a lot of special things to Final Fantasy IV, and like you said in the beginning, it's, it's such a a narrative focused and very strong narrative game. Um, in 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 the pantheon of Final Fantasies, that um, hundred percent still worth playing, um, and it has such a great community that's built up around it. I mentioned this earlier, but while I might not be the biggest fan of the the base game of Final Fantasy IV, I absolutely love Free Enterprise, um, which takes final fantasy 4 and turns it into like a scavenger hunt like a randomized scavenger hunt where your end goal is still to beat Zeramus, but uh key items are spread around and you have the the enterprise the airship right from the get-go and it's just it it you it doesn't like tweak the characters at all um in terms of their skills or abilities and whatnot but you there's a chance you could have multiple copies of cecil or, or, or edge or you might never encounter another character um so it provides a great way it, it gives me that kind of customization kind of um surprise that i don't get anymore just from playing the base game and um even like watching races in kind of hearing and learning about the strategy involved like how like the order you want to check places to see if you'll get stuff it's I've, I've talked and I was even on your show to talk about randomizers. Yep. Um, God, that's probably two years ago now. Yep. Um, Time flies. We're getting old. It's uh, yeah. Um, but no, I, I just love them and they're the, the replayability aspect of them. So it's good. It's all yeah, good. I think I would love randomizers more if I knew a game well enough to play one, right? Like I think, I think if I could find a Chrono Trigger randomizer, which must exist, I feel like. There, there's one. Yeah. Like that might be the one that would be fun for me just because mm -hmm. I know that game so intimately. I've played it so many times. So I, I think I could safely say also at this point, Super Mario RPG, I could probably also do that with. Um, mm -hmm. 
but yeah, I mean, I think that it's brilliant that folks online are creating these things that give uh, give us a way to re-engage with these uh, games that we love in a way that makes us love them even more. Mm-hmm. Anything to to get a bit more mileage out of these classics. Um, I'm always a fan of. And and one of the things is, um, do you plan on playing the the 3D remake of four? I mean, I'd like to. Or the sequel? Yeah, and so I'd like to. I have them both, because uh, I think they're both on Steam. Yeah. Um, I have them both favorited on Steam, and I do want to play them. I want to play the sequel. I heard it's actually really great. Um, but I feel like if I'm going to play the sequel, I should play the remake first, <laughs> and I just I wasn't going to replay it right after playing it. But it's definitely on my list to play, because mm-hmm. like I, I loved this game so much and had such a good time with it that I'd want to revisit it. In a way that, like, again, like I said with Royal, like, I'm never, like, I won't say never. It'll be many, mm-hmm. many years before I spend another 169 hours nice uh, in a game like that. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely would like to play the the remake because you, you among many, have been uh, s- singing its praises. Yeah, and you can hear your boy, Yuri, as yeah. Cecil. I mean, he's all in, those Cecil lines. He's in everything. You know, I found him by accident in Persona 4 Golden within the opening minutes. So, you know, he's just everywhere. There you go. He's he's everywhere. He's everywhere. We are not the only individuals that really like Final Fantasy IV and have fond memories of it, so we are going to go around the web. (laughs) Excuse me. First up, we have user Something Eating Space from Reddit. They say, Final Fantasy IV was my favorite game for a long time and I'll go with the entire final dungeon as my favorite. Just absolutely sprawling and chock full of things to do compared to anything else in the game. The quote-unquote glass floors at the end used to be so fun and punishing. The end boss fight is absolutely unforgettable, and the music the whole way down is, of course, absolutely top-notch. Yeah, that is a very... Final Fantasy IV has a stupid hard final dungeon. Yeah, like, I mean, we were just talking about that, right? The whole, yeah. the whole moon, and then yeah, like the, diff- the 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 glass floor area. Like, if I couldn't turn off random encounters, I would have never gotten mm-hmm. through it. Um, because even when I was over leveled, it was still challenging. Like, you could never, like, I suppose if I got to level ninety nine, which I don't think I did, mm-hmm. then I'd probably be fine. But like, all of those enemies are not—you can't just bash them to death. Like, you need to use strategy on those those final enemies. Yeah. Um, you want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, Chris Clopleen from the Retro Hangover podcast and a friend of mine uh, says that the fight against Dark Knight Cecil. As a kid, I really didn't know what was going on. But now, knowing that you don't have to do anything but endure attacks, I realized it meant to be an active and uh, inactive way of Cecil atoning for his sins and accepting a new path and purpose. Yeah, that that like I I kind of glazed over that when we were talking about it earlier, but the like becoming a paladin by just facing your dark knight version and like getting clobbered it mm-hmm. took me a while to figure that out i was just beating on him and trying to figure out what to do and i was like Gee, this just doesn't feel like it's working and then i eventually figured out and like he's giving you hints right like you're getting kind of mm-hmm. like hints about not not acting and it's a set piece a kind of set piece that you don't really see in a lot of other rpgs there are things like it like there are ways to change those moments so you, it's not just about fighting but for sure this yeah. was a unique moment in rpg history for sure 100 100 
Um, next up we have user Citizen Strife from Reddit. They say, anything involving Radio. She's my favorite Final Fantasy character and maybe all-time character. For how simple the game is, it was so effective at showing off what she was going through in the early stages of the game. The fact that she ends up insanely in it ends up an insanely invaluable party member just makes it all the better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned earlier, like yeah. Rydia has such She's a strong great. arc. <coughs> Rydia is great. Next one for you. Yeah. Uh, so Ted Lasso vibes, great username on Reddit. Kane's character design blew my preteen self away. So freaking cool. That said, he's annoying as fuck in the game. <laughs> Someone who feels the way you do, Scott. It's just... <sighs> you just... Steal your girl. I just... I'm ang- angsty and I'm jealous. <laughs> like every teenager growing up. Yeah, but like... They're supposed to be like in their 20s, I yeah, think. I and like... Him being a friend and then betraying and then and then just being let back on the team afterwards, it's just whatever. But he's his cool his design is cool. Yes. And he I guess kind of redeems himself in the sequel, I think. Ooh, interesting. But, um yeah, he he goes through like a Cecil arc in in um after years. And lastly, we have at wordlessly underscore J from Twitter slash X. The gold best boss fight in the Dwarven Castle. There's a tel- terrible sense of hope- helpless doom as Golbez slowly kills off each paralyzed party member. Then, Rydia's miraculous return saves them all and turns the tide of the battle. Such a great roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one. Yeah. I mean, all, like I said, like we said earlier, and we've said a ton of times, I think the thing that makes this game one of the greatest RPGs mm-hmm. is, the, is those set-piece moments and the narrative. Like, every narrative moment, drop my jaw, every time a character died or came back or, like, you know, supported you or, like, even everything going on in the final phase of the game, like, all of that stuff is always really cool and really dramatic. For sure, for sure. But thank you to each and every one of you who has submitted your favorite moments and memories with me. Uh, I very much appreciate it. And as always, links to the subreddit will be down in the show notes. So check those out. Or you can always share them with me on Twitter. Uh, I always love to check them out. Now you might be wondering where you can get yourself a copy of Final Fantasy IV. Well, we are here to help you. Luckily, there is no shortage of of platforms with which you can play this game on. You can play it on mo- most modern systems uh, with the Pixel Remaster, which costs about 18 bucks. Um, you have Game Boy Advance. You have your iEgo or whatever you Yahoo. If you live <laughs> in Japan, I guess um, Super Nintendo, you have all sorts. But I think probably the easiest way to play this right now and a a lovely way to play this um would would have to be final fantasy um for the pixel remaster which you can get on steam which you can get on playstation for or the place playstation network and you can also get it on um uh the nintendo switch so 
Now, after you have picked up yourself a copy of Final Fantasy IV, you might be looking for some tips. Uh, well, we're here to help you with that as well. So, Matt, what tips or advice would you give the uh, the new players to uh, to this little game? Um, I would say a big one is make sure you check. Like, and this is pretty RPG one hundred and one, but it's easy to forget or overlook. Check every shop in every new town. This this game because you're the you know your static classes the whole time and it's very class focused. Your gear is really important: weapons, armor. Uh, and if you skip or don't buy the latest stuff, you could set yourself back. Also, I feel like most stuff was pretty affordable. I wouldn't have to grind much to get money to buy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also give you a lot of really cool gear from quests and other things, like uh, the different as you go through the story. Um, I would also say, also say, don't be afraid to use magic. I think one of the strengths of the way this game works, its system and works well is that like weaknesses and strengths and knowing how, what, you know, what enemies take more damage from certain spells is really useful. You know, mm-hmm. I think in a lot of RPGs, it's very easy to be like, well, I'll save that for what I really need it. But like use consumables, use magic. I think that's the strength of this game is that you really engage in all the systems uh, it has a really fun battle system, if not kind of straightforward. Um, and mine is if you find yourself in a pickle and you can't beat a boss, just run around and grind for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, levels lose a lot or levels matter a lot in this game. Um, so a, a couple levels for your party can make all the difference when dealing with these difficult encounters, especially on the moon, which we had mentioned um luckily all the monsters on the moon give you really good expand uh, experience so yeah you can level up pretty pretty easily on the moon you just will probably die a couple times <laughs> in the meantime without a doubt with, with without a doubt so We are on to perhaps one of my favorite parts of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. So, Matt, what monster or enemy uh, are you submitting to the uh, the old arena this week? Well, and see, it's funny. I picked this one because it's one of my favorite recurring monsters in uh, Final Fantasy, but I think this is one of my favorite versions of it. But I'm curious if anyone else has ever submitted it. But I submitted uh, from uh, Final Fantasy IV my favorite enemy, who is also a huge pain in the ass to fight, the behemoth excellent yes the behemoth uh has twenty three thousand health it will drop sixty five thousand gil it'll also grant you fifty seven thousand experience it has an attack value of 154 an 80 percent hit hit percentage its magic attack is 63 speed of 28 low defense of four with evasive evade percent at 75 Magic defense at 127 and magic evasion at 90%. Its level is technically 101, and you can steal uh, the twist headband, and you have uh, the drops you can get from it. The rare drop includes the power armlet, the rarer drop is the power sash, and the rarest drop is the Avenger. It has a special attack called Storm, and it has a bunch of resistances, but no weaknesses. Uh, they are a pain. Yeah. Definitely the reason I picked it for this is because I hate it. <laughs> Which I think is just yeah, as valid yeah. sometimes. Um, yeah, it's behemoth, but 
I mean, behemoths are pains pretty much in every Final Fantasy. So. That's true. They're never easy fights. Good game. Good game. It has. I, I might have my issues with it, but it's still it's still classic. It's still good game. Um, and just it good. <laughs> it good. Yeah. I, I would love to see a pixel, uh, like an HD two D, like a uh, oh. Octopath Traveler, um, re- redone. Yeah. Like I love the pixel remasters. They are really pretty and really well done, though they needed some patches to get there. Uh, you know, uh, text problem, cough, cough. Um, but the, the getting like like the pixel remasters being like a two D HD com- conversion would have been really neat. But I imagine mm-hmm. also meant we probably wouldn't have gotten them for another twenty years. And so I'm glad we yeah. got what we got. But. Uh, like I love that style, and this game. Ha- like, imagine some of those set pieces in the 2D HD it would be awesome. Yeah, I love the HD 2D style. It's it's so good. I think it's the best way to redo 16-bit games. I don't want like I don't want like super high detail. I don't want like the Final Fantasy VII remake slash rebirth treatment of Final Fantasy VI or five. Give me like HD 2D. Yeah, gorgeous sprite work. That's my jam. That's what I want. Yeah, I'm All with day, you. I'm with you. Yeah, I love remake, and I assume I'll love rebirth. Uh, but I don't want that for every single game. I think it's important for seven mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, and if they do the one for nine, I could see that being important as well. But I think HD two D versions of one through six or Chrono Trigger or pretty much any of those classic RPGs. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. you know, or, or like Breath of the Breath of Breath of Fire series in 2D HD. Like all of them, I think, would just look even yeah. better in, the, in that it form. It worked so well for Live Alive or Live Alive. Yeah, I never alive, know how to say however it. However you pronounce it. Yeah, I mean, um, li- Live Alive has become one of my favorite RPGs because <laughs> it has a lot of that kind of Chrono Trigger-y DNA in it. Uh, which mm-hmm. makes sense because they shared, uh, you know, uh, people worked on both of those games. But like, yeah, the 2D HD just made what was already good even better. True. So, so true. But, well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me again here at, at the university to talk about a game that I know we, we've been trying <laughs> to record this episode for quite a while. And between sicknesses and computer issues and all manner of things, we've finally been able to do it. Yeah. Thank and you for having me. Yeah. I, I love coming on your show, Scott. I'm so glad we've become such good friends. And I know, right? It's really awesome. Um, but in all seriousness, like I really love the show. Um, I love, uh, how you approach RPGs from both the fan side and the more like <laughs> academic side. I think that your blend of both is really well done and uh, and always happy to come on and talk about a game that we've both played. I think also the delay in me coming back on is all of the RPGs I've played in the last couple of years. You're like, nope, didn't play that one. Not that one either. Um, but uh, I was happy to come back and talk. Or I haven't finished like or, i started sea of stars i just haven't finished. finished it yeah that was my first choice but maybe maybe sometime two years from now i'll come back and uh, right. you'll have finished right. it it's just like you said at the beginning there's a lot of rpgs that have come out we it's have true. a lot of like you know we we have st- obligations <laughs> yeah um, uh, totally but uh but thank you for having me back this was a lot no, of fun of course of course, always an absolute pleasure. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and, and uh, plug your own stuff. 
Sure. So uh, I can be found in most places uh, at DJ underscore Stormageddon, except Blue Sky, which I am just DJ Stormageddon because they hate underscores for some reason. Um, the best way to find all the things that I do is to go to uh, djstormageddon.com. It has links to all my podcasts. It has links to the Patreon page for my uh, for Fun and Games, the podcast we mentioned earlier, which is my video game-focused podcast. Um, I know if you love this show, you're also a fan of Bioware Games and uh, Reignite, my Mass Effect re retrospective after its fourth season, and Andromeda has now shifted to its fifth season, and Dragon Age Origins. Uh, and we are actually playing Origins through... Origins is so good. It is. We are currently playing. Origins. We're playing through Awakening right now. Uh, it's very long for DLC. Uh, I will mm -hmm. say that, but um, mm -hmm. also has one of my favorite characters, I think, in all of Dragon Age. In it, um, I really like Justice. Ooh, who's um, that? Oh, Just okay. I really enjoy Justice. I just think he's a fun character uh, who kind of gets shelved in the second game. But anyway, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to go there, um, but uh, I highly recommend that as well. But yeah, if you want to check out Fun and Games, which is, I think, the broader podcast that might uh, interest your audience, it is a topic-based video game podcast. We did an episode with Scott about randomizers, uh, which came out, I think, a few years ago now at this point, but you can find it by just searching randomizers in We're our sold. feed. We're, We're sold. I'm We're so sold. tired. Um, and then we also have a sub-series in that feed called SideQuest, where uh, people come on from all walks of life talking about a game they love and why they love it. Scott has done two episodes for us, and I will eventually sucker you into doing a third. Um, but I, I believe Mega Man X and Metal Gear Solid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Both great episodes, both great games. Uh, and that's for anyone. So if you're listening and you're like, I want to talk about a game for 15 minutes that I love, reach out to me on Twitter. We have folks, not just podcasters, but like listeners from the show, folks who don't, you know, who are just, you know, burlesque performers. Uh, I don't say just, but people who are burlesque performers, comedians, artists, actors. Like you don't have to be a video game podcaster to talk about a game you love. So we'd love to have you on there. And uh, yeah. And if, of course, you end up liking my video game podcast throws us a couple bucks uh, helps us to continue to do the things that we do and uh, engage with lovely folks like Scott right here. So yeah, that's my yeah. stuff. If I explained everything that I did, we'd be here for another three days. So I'll, that, I'll end it there. I'm sure uh, Scott will have links in the show notes, like all professionals oh, yeah. do. Oh yeah. Down in the doobly doos, doobly you know. doos. all down in the doobly doos, but of course, thank you to each and every one of you who has listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion. Or you can share your own favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter at ProfessorRPG. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, watch out for those spoony bards, class dismissed. Mm -hmm.